a lot of things I didn't know about when you get pregnant, like there's a hormone that loosens up all your joints, so I feel like I can't jump. You know, I've obviously gained weight. Your muscles are on the side of your torso to accommodate the baby, so I had to bring those back in. Like, breastfeeding is another thing. Your muscles or your joints, they say, um, like months after, do they harden back up to where they were because of breastfeeding? It's just like a bunch of things I didn't know, and then I had to like overcome them all to play. That was Nafisa Collier. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch, great finish. Towns to go bare. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three! Carl it is Carl Anthony Towns for quarter. certainly is. Edwards, spinning, and finishing! Nafisa, you grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri. Even now as an adult, what still sticks with you about having grown up in Jefferson City? Um, I would probably say the capital is a big thing. We took like a field trip there every year when I was in school. Um, and honestly, when I think of Jeff City, like when I think of home, that's the house that I think of because I was there mm -hmm. for the first 16 years of my life. I've never been anywhere that long since. So when I think of home, I think of like that house and like my childhood. And is that all the locals always call it Jeff City? Oh, yes, Jeff City. So you could tell I was an outsider because they actually said Jefferson Yeah, City. you're clearly not from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. It's true. It's true. You have a really interesting family history, too. Your dad, Gamal. Did I pronounce mm -hmm. it right? You did. Okay. From Sierra Leone, West Africa, and your mom grew up on a farm near Jefferson City. And I read mm -hmm. that they had met because they worked in a nursing home together, mm -hmm. but your dad had fled when a civil war struck. So kind of a, a complicated story. But then you grew up with these kind of very mixed and different cultures. What was that mm -hmm. like having such different sides of the family mm -hmm. and that different personality? Um, they were so different and I mean it's normal growing up I didn't realize that like it was so abnormal for you know other people but it's funny because my mom's side we would go down to the farm we'd ride like four-wheelers and we'd ride the horses and they're like more reserved we play like card games and then we go to my dad's side with the Sierra Leoneans it's bumping music like you can barely hear anything there's food everywhere everyone's loud it's like a party all the time so it's really cool like it was just such stark differences mm -hmm. but it was normal for us yeah you wouldn't know any difference you thought that's how everybody yeah. lived until people pointed out later, yeah. I'm sure. Your name, uh, Nafisa, means princess or precious one it does, yes. in uh, the Sierra Leone culture. And I'd read about your dad's dad, your grandpa, Gershon? Gershon. Gershon. Mm -hmm. um, a key political figure who helped negotiate Sierra Leone's independence from Great Britain. That mm -hmm. is incredible. You have a, yeah. Your family has a photo of your grandfather in the Oval Office, correct? Yes. In the President Oval Office Kennedy. with JFK. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, growing up, again, that was just something that was normal. My dad would talk about his dad all the time, and, like, he's a great storyteller, my dad is. So I feel like I was living through these stories that he was telling me, and it was, like, so normal. It's his normal, too. It's his dad. And then we grew up with, like, that picture on the wall. You don't really think anything of it until you get older and people are asking you these questions, and they're like, wow. I'm like, yeah, I guess that is pretty cool. Like, I just, I've always known this. Um, so I think it didn't really hit. Like, I didn't register how important it was mm -hmm. until I got older. And your grandfather had died before you were born, so you mm -hmm. never met him. You just heard stories right. of him. 
Had you have you ever been to Sierra Leone? I haven't. My dad's been hounding me. I mean, we've been trying to go since I was little, but it's just been you know basketball was during the summers, mm -hmm. and then not I couldn't do it during school. Then around election time, it gets kind of dicey. So it was like that. Um, but since I've graduated, he's like, you need to come, you need to come. He's been there for a couple of years. He's like, we're doing Christmas there next year. So he's really trying to get me over there. So it's on your list. Yes, it's, it's on, on my list. list. Okay. Um, let's go back to being in Jefferson City. I had read about you being a young kid in third grade wanting to join the local AAU team. Mm -hmm. But the rosters were full. They didn't even let you try out. They just kind of passed. And so your parents helped you form your own AAU team, yeah. uh, the Red Storm later changed to the Lady Warriors. Yes. <laughs> and they ordered the uniforms online. So you're like this entrepreneur. You're like starting your <laughs> own team so that you could have a team to play on in third grade. Yeah. I mean, my parents, they're both super determined and they're like, okay, well, if they're not going to have us on our team, we'll make our own. And so we did. And we brought, you know, people from all different towns and we were really good. Like we beat all the teams that wouldn't let us on in the first place. And suddenly they had a roster spot for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, that was like some of the most fun I've had in my life. We go on tournaments. We went to like Disney World. So it was really cool. Wow. There was a tournament in Orlando. So is that land or world down there? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's world. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what the uniforms look like? These hand-ordered <laughs> custom jerseys? Well, I remember the design process of the Lady Warriors. The Red Storm ones were just like normal ones, but we're like, okay, we're gonna get white trim on these black uniforms. They're gonna be so crisp. We're gonna have to do like different lettering on the Warriors ones. So I remember us like actually designing them. Obviously worked. Yeah. Good touch, good touch. So um, you played your freshman year of high school at Jefferson City High mm -hmm. School. And then I'd read because of your mom's job, she got transferred to St. Louis, so the family moved. So you moved mm -hmm. schools to Incarnate Word Academy yes. in St. Louis. So you played sophomore, junior, and senior years of basketball there. Mm -hmm. You were the Gatorade Missouri Player of the Year as a sophomore and a senior. So you're, you're getting notoriety, you're, you are very accomplished, you're winning state tournaments. And I'd read you got your first college scholarship offer before any of this, in eighth grade. I did, from yes? Mizzou, yes. Coach Robin Pinchton, <laughs> she offered me Sophie Cunningham, who's in mm -hmm. the league right now, and Sierra Porter, who um, played at Mizzou. She ended up, it was her niece. But yeah, in eighth grade, and I was like, me and my mom were so starstruck. We're like, yes, this is amazing. And I would have signed on the spot, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because Mizzou, for yeah, a Missouri kid. Right, and it's like a D1 school, and you know, I'm in eighth grade and like, I've never heard of getting an offer this early. So I'm like, I don't know what other offers I'm going to get. And I wasn't even thinking that far ahead, honestly. And my dad's kind of the one that slowed us down. It's like, we're not signing. You're 14 years old. <laughs> uh, so he's, I mean, I'm so thankful that he did. He's the only one that yeah. was like, had a straight head at the time. You hadn't even started high school. Right. Yeah. Probably a good decision because by the time you finished high school, you had offers from all over the country, mm -hmm. including UConn, which I had read was the one school you were not going to play for. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, because they have such a winning history and like they're the gold standard. So I'm like, if I can get on a team and beat them, then that you know that you're really the best. So I wanted to do that. And I was just going to go on my visit to say that I visited UConn and they got me. They got you on they the visit. They got me. They did. It was such a good visit. I mean, the team was awesome. I loved how close they were. And um, something that's really important to me is like everyone's treated the same one through 12 on the team. Like the level of expectation is the same for your starter, like your star player or, you know, the person who's last off the bench. And I thought coach did a really great job of that. Like he also obviously had stars. Brianna Stewart was there, but um, everyone's treated the same. And then I knew I wanted to play in the WNBA at that time. I'm like, okay, well, what's going to prepare me the best to be at my next level? And UConn was obviously the yeah. choice. But not the easiest start. 
yeah. trans transitioning from a senior in high school to a freshman in college and in a I think this was in the Players Tribune that you had written playing there was way harder than I had imagined right away I was given everything I could handle physically and mentally and I was expected to pick it up quick and when I didn't I heard about it again and again mm -hmm. over and over until I got it right and then inevitably screwed up again and the process would start over yeah do you go right back to that moment when I read those words to you yes I mean that was probably like the hardest time I've ever had in basketball. I mean, coming back from Mila is probably now the physically hardest, but just all around because, I mean, everyone on that team is the best from where they come from. I was the best from where I came from, and I've never had a problem with the mental side of the game, but I've never been like challenged like I was there. So like in high school, if we we're gonna do a backdoor cut, it was gonna be a play. And mm -hmm. our offense at UConn is so free flowing that you really had to become a better basketball player mentally. You had to have really high IQ and I wasn't used to thinking that way. So, you know, you're nervous, you're playing at UConn with all these stars, you have a brand new offense that you have to learn. And then you also have to like learn a different way to play basketball. I just really struggled and I didn't anticipate that. I thought it was gonna be so hard physically, but mentally it was like harder than mm -hmm anything I thought it would be. So if you're making a backdoor cut, is it why did you make that? Like, what is your purpose? And well, everything it's like, is... why did you not make that? Because he oh. can see it. He's like, why did you not go? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and now backdoor is like the number one thing I do on this team. So, so you figured it out. Yeah, you figured it out. You ended up scoring 2000 points and having 1000 rebounds at UConn, just the fifth player ever to do that at Connecticut. Uh, won the championship in 2016 and reached the final four in all four of your collegiate seasons. So mm -hmm. you are ready for the WNBA. Yes. At that point. In 2019, you were the sixth pick of the draft, the Minnesota Lynx. Yes. I watched the draft video back. You had that beautiful white dress on oh, and they you. call your name <laughs> and you're hugging, first of all, your now husband, mm -hmm. your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, Gino. And it looks like everywhere you turn, the, the camera is right there. <laughs> then you turn, then you turn. Yeah. And then it's up for the introduction. And then it's a, the interview with Holly Rowe right there. And it's a smaller room and everyone is listening. It felt so intimate. Yeah. What did that feel like? It was. I mean, it feels like you're like a bug under a microscope because it is such a small room and then you're on like a jumbotron in there. Like you can hear your voice echoing on the speaker even though everyone could hear you if you just spoke without the microphone. Um, but honestly, it was just like, it was so like such a relief, I don't know, to finally be drafted. I'm like, I know where I'm going, to have mm -hmm. a little bit of my future figured out because it's such a huge question mark where you're gonna go, like what the team's gonna look like. So that part's really cool. And then I'm like, okay, it's time to have fun now. Like I know where I'm going, I can't wait to get there. Did you know it would be Minnesota before they called your name? I knew like two minutes before, like okay. my agent had gotten a call. And so she let me know like two minutes before, but not in the beginning of the draft and for the first couple of picks. Did you, did you have a first thought of what Minneapolis? Minnesota or Lynx, what was? Um, I thought of Maya because uh, sure. we're from the same hometown and then mm -hmm. we ended up going to the same college. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I might get to play with Maya. I didn't, because <laughs> I like, I just miss her everywhere that I go. Um, so that, I mean, Maya was the first thing that I thought of there. Yeah. So um, you made your WNBA, WNBA debut against the Chicago Sky and scored 27 points. Mm -hmm. The second most points ever scored at that time in, the w, in a WNBA debut. What do you remember about the feeling of being in a pro game on a pro court against pro players and scoring 27 in your very first game? Um, I was honestly like, finally, like finally, because really? I had such a tough training camp and I felt myself reverting back to how I was my freshman year where I was just like not confident in what I was doing, just unsure. And I'm like, I never want to go through that slump again. It lasted me the whole season and it's just, it's a horrible feeling. And I felt that in training camp, I'm like, I didn't mm. have my footing. And I think I scored a combined like eight points in all of our training camp games. I think we had three of them. 
Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. I know I'm a good player. I'm here for a reason. Just I need to let go and play. And that's what I did in that game. And so I was like, finally, it took you long enough. It took you all this training camp yeah. to finally it took you two weeks. <laughs> but you had gone through it as a freshman in high school, so yeah. you were not about to go through it. Yeah. Again, in your first year in the WNBA. Well, that, yeah. it was impressive. Um, you ended up winning Rookie of the Year in 2019. Your team, the Lynx, though, were just above 500. They went 18 and 16. Mm. So I looked back at your college career and your high school career from what I could find. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just bear with me <laughs> for a second. In your four years at UConn, you went 145 and 5 yeah. in four seasons. And I couldn't find the Jefferson City record for your freshman year but it incarnate word sophomore junior senior 92 and 3. combined your sophomore year of high school through all the way through your collegiate career you had eight losses mm -hmm. you went 237 and 8. Yeah. and then your first year in the wnba 18 and 16 yeah. which happens all the time mm -hmm. and teams go through those processes but what was it like for you to at the first time in your career experience losing games uh, it was really weird because when we lost games, because I wasn't used to it in high school and college, like you said, it was like devastating for the team. Like, what happened? You know, it was just like, if you didn't win, it's everyone's like, what happened? Like, how could this happen? And so, but in the league, everything moves so fast, and no one has a record like that here. Like, you have to get used to losing. Mm -hmm. The competition is so tough. And so, it's like, on to the next one. We got to learn from what we did, and we got to move forward I was like this is nice <laughs> we're not we're not kicked out of the locker room <laughs> uh, so it was just like it was almost a breath of fresh air like okay because that's what you want to do as a player you want to move on to the next one like yes. you want to learn from your losses but it was so devastating and previously because we were just not used to it so is there some relief that comes with not having the expectation of you better win and you better win by 20 every single night uh, I wouldn't say that I mean it's nice to have that expectation because it means you're at a winning organization, you know, and not to say this isn't obviously, but like I said, no one has that record. It's like it's unheard of in the league, you know, three losses in an entire season, one mm -hmm. loss, you know, zero yeah. losses like we had my freshman year. And so I think it's just it's I think it's better because it's an, a learning experience instead of an impossible goal to have. OK, well, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You um, were part of the 2020 Olympic team in Tokyo, and I had read a quote from you about making that team, and you had said about the Olympics, this has been a dream of mine ever since I can remember. Mm -hmm. So were you the kid that you cut out pictures in <laughs> magazines of, like, the, the gold Olympic gold medal team mm -hmm. and, like, dreamed of, of wearing red, white, and blue? Uh, I never cut out any pictures, but I would watch it every single year, and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be there. I want to have a gold medal. And like I said, ever since I can remember, like, watching it, I'm like, I got to get there one way or another. I cut out the pictures. You did? Oh, yeah. And I'm <laughs> taped on my wall. Didn't make the Olympic team. Just yeah. a spoiler. But, just posted, uh, like, taped it right here so it's around your neck. Yeah. I'm there in spirit. I'm there in spirit. <laughs> but you probably also... Um, for the first time in a long time, we're not the best player on the court on mm -hmm. your team either. And that had to be a learning experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it was different. I was the youngest player on the team. I like had barely made the team and I wasn't playing the minutes that I was used to playing, you mm -hmm. know, but honestly, when you get to USA, it's a totally different ball game. I'm just there to win. Like no matter, I'll get you water if you want. I just wanted to be on the team. Like seriously, uh, on this last Olympics, like I wanted to be there so badly and I knew it was a long shot. Like, like I said, I was the youngest player. There was mm -hmm. other people, like I was fighting for that spot. Um, and so I'm like, I just want to go, honestly. Um, you want to play always, but 
just to have the experience was like so amazing and for this next olympics obviously like i want to have a bigger role i want to mm -hmm. be able to play more mm -hmm. and like interact with you know on the court with the team but for this past one it's just like it's a bucket list checklist sure. i just want to go well good luck getting past the head coach yeah she's a tough one i hear it's cheryl reeve <laughs> did you save anything from the olympics uh, obviously your gold medal mm -hmm. but like what kind of artifacts or memorabilia because yeah. it was the Olympics. I literally saved everything. Really? <laughs> I mean, I have my backpack. I have my credential. I have like, they gave us a fan for um, like the hosting, the gym we mm -hmm. were at. They gave us a fan as like a present. I've got towels. I've got my uniform. I've got like practice stuff. <laughs> I, I'm super sentimental. So I love the idea of like Mila looking back on that stuff because I love looking at my parents' old stuff. So I, okay. I kept a lot. You kept it all. Yeah. You are a very stoic player on the court you don't show mm. a lot of emotion I had mm. read that your dad told you long ago if you want to frustrate the opponent you can't mm. show them when you're frustrated mm -hmm. so you do you play very stoic one of my favorite things you've ever done on the court came in the bubble when you hit a contested three against New York I want to mm. say and it looked like you turned the Lynx bench and you did this shimmy oh. <laughs> and it was it was very subtle but for you it was out of character <laughs> and it was awesome yeah what is the origin story behind the shimmy? Um, I think it was BB had just dared me. She's like, you won't do that. I'm like, I bet I will. Um, I'm always down for a dare. So uh, she just told me, I don't know. She just challenged me to do it. I'm like, I can do it. There's no problem. It is outside my comfort zone a little bit, but now I feel like I shimmy all the time. Well, then you started doing like the starting lineup. Then yeah. when you go to the handshake player, you do a shimmy. Is that the same yeah. Shimmy, they're related? Yeah, I okay. mean, the team freaked out so much, I feel like I had to keep it going. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's so outside your comfort zone to just shake your shoulders a I know, little bit. I like, know, crazy. That's her move. Yeah. Well, <laughs> settle down. You got pretty wild there. Rain yeah. her back in. This last Lynx season, uh, you came back to play the final four games because you wanted to play with Sylvia Fowles. It's been well documented. You've talked about it a lot. Your baby, Mila, was born May 25th. You played August 7th. The math is... That's two and a half months from having a baby to playing a pro game. Mm -hmm. I've had two babies <laughs> and I could power walk the neighborhood by, uh, by that point, <laughs> but I could not play in the WNBA. Looking back now, you've had plenty of time to reflect upon it. And you said earlier in this interview, physically, how difficult that was. Mm -hmm. Really put it into words to get to that point where you could play up and down the court. How challenging was that? It was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. I've, knock on wood, been really blessed with injuries before then, you know, so that was like the hardest rehab I've ever done. And a lot of things I didn't know about when you get pregnant, like there's a hormone that loosens up all your joints, so I feel like I can't jump. You know, I've obviously gained weight. Your muscles are on the side of your torso to accommodate the baby, so I had to bring those back in. Like, breastfeeding is another thing. Your muscles or your joints, they say, um, like months after do they harden back up to where they were because of breastfeeding mm. it's just like a bunch of things I didn't know and then I had to like overcome them all to play so it was it was definitely challenging was it worth it absolutely I'm so glad I got to do it yeah a lot of people do anything for sell yeah I mean yeah there's no better it's person sell. to do it for I know and your your post-game press conference after your first game and you had Mila oh, on yeah. your lap yeah and her jersey yes and her little <laughs> Lynx jersey just perfect a perfect bow to that day um I had read um, off the court in the Players' Tribune, again, you wrote, if there was a way to get paid to just constantly consume mystery novels for mm -hmm. a living, that would be something. That would be pretty sweet. 
You love reading. You love mystery novels. You love Ruth Ware. That's your favorite author. You've read all her books. Have you ever met Ruth Ware? I have not. I've met Sarah Pekinen, who I love as well. She's a mystery writer with Gert Hendricks. Um, they write a lot of books together. I've met her like on Zoom, and we message on social media a lot, so that's always really cool. What is it about mystery novels? I don't know. I used to love horror movies growing up. I'm like a scaredy cat now. I don't know what happened to me, but mystery novels, I still... I don't know, something about them, just trying to figure out what happens at the end. Just like it. So that's what I was going to ask. As you're reading it, are you trying to piece it together? I think mm -hmm. it's this. I think it's this. It's yes. she. It's her. It's yeah. there. And that's the one thing about reading so many. It's like I feel like I can guess the storyline now. So when there's one that I can't guess, I'm like, oh, it's so good. So before a game, too, to get pumped up, to get in the zone, to get you ready, mm -hmm. you go sit in the corner and read. <laughs> it's not necessarily to get me pumped up. Sometimes I just get a little bit obsessed. I'm like, oh, I got to go play a game. I really want to know who killed the guy. But <laughs> So I try to get, like squeeze in as much reading as I can. As most people do. I mean, that's, that's whatever gets you there. Whatever gets you there. Um, when you were pregnant with Mila, Nike did a photo shoot with you. Uh, I have this visual of this huge poster and you're in like a navy blue sports bra and navy blue spandex, like mm -hmm. actual maternity spandex mm -hmm. though too. And they were very much promoting the fact that you were a healthy, beautiful athlete who was also pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the WNBA did a video series, Motherhood with Nafisa Collier. Slam Magazine had you on the cover shortly after Mila was born. Superwoman, Hooper, mother, hero. All of these things related to you being an athlete and having this baby. Mm -hmm. How empowering and uplifting was it to be featured as a mother or a pregnant athlete in that light, in that positive, uplifting light? Very, because you know, there's a stigmatism sometimes with women, especially in sports, like you have to choose one or the other. And so to be featured like that and to say like, you can do both, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's gonna be like, how you're doing before like your your off the court life is going to be di very different but you can do it and you're strong and you're powerful you're beautiful all those things that they were saying so it felt amazing to be like spotlighted in that way and to hopefully inspire other women to you know be strong and bold and beautiful mm -hmm. in their pregnancies yeah i thought they were wonderful campaigns i thought they mm -hmm. were refreshing and long overdue yeah and really wonderful they were a lot of fun yeah yeah so congratulations on thank that. you baby mila is now eight and a half months yep. old as we sit and do this interview. Everything changes when you have a baby. Life changes. Mm -hmm. How has your life changed? Uh, in every aspect of the word, it's so different. I mean, my entire life is different, but it's it's so fun. Like she, I can just see her learn something new every day. She's so happy all the time. If I'm ever upset about anything, I can just go tickle Mila and like hear her giggle and I just feel better. <laughs> She's, I mean, it's like the best thing ever. Well, I mean, she's the cutest baby in the uh, world. So I mean, of like, course I think so. <laughs> <laughs> How has it changed you as a human being? Um, I mean, everyone talks about the love aspect. You know, I never knew that I could love someone this much. She just like, she's my whole heart. And from like a personal standpoint, responsibility, like organization, not responsibility. I am not naturally a very organized person, mm -hmm. but you have to be when you have a kid. Like you have to think of... I'm just a very like go with the flow person. I'm like I'll figure it out when I get there. You cannot figure it out when you get there. Like I the have to know. Bag got to be ready. It's got to be packed. If I got caught unaware without her formula or a diaper after she goes poop, 
Oh. Everyone suffers. So you have to be very organized in everything you're doing. Like a plan for childcare is a huge one. Just I'm already planning. I've been planning for months, like what I'm going to do with her mm -hmm. this season, like lining that up. So just organization. Yeah. If you are going to target with the baby. Yes. There are steps to take. It's a whole, it's yes. an actual like field trip. <laughs> I'm not just popping over to target anymore. As we are doing this interview, this is maybe an hour that you're spending away from Mila and you're, you may have a couple other responsibilities while you're mm -hmm. here. Let's say you're gone for two hours. Mm -hmm. The second you walk in the door and see her, what do you do? How do you react when you haven't seen her for a couple of hours? <laughs> I was like, Mila girl. That's what we all call her is Mila girl. And she's usually like on the ground or she's in my mom's arms. She's wiggling, like trying to get to you, smiling. Uh, and then I just pick her up and play with her for forever. I could just honestly watch her all day long so tickler i like doing that because she giggles mm -hmm. um i get on the floor with her she loves like crawling just back and forth over you it's like an obstacle course um so i just hang out with her she's so chill does she have a mini basketball she does sort? actually mm -hmm. it's her favorite chew toy she can't oh. bounce it but she loves chewing on it well it's a start yeah it's a start your husband alex uh, is a trainer mm -hmm. in the NBA, like works with some NBA players and some mm -hmm. WNBA players, which I would imagine for you can be an incredible advantage. Like mm -hmm. to have a trainer right there when you need it and someone to get advice and how should I do this? I can also imagine the other side of it, <laughs> like if you wanna just watch a movie and you sneak a cookie, is he like giving you the side <laughs> eye? No, thankfully, that would be really annoying, right? <laughs> I would imagine, but I don't know. He's not that kind of trainer, thankfully. We both like, um, he's definitely not into like a health nut like that, but it is so nice just having, cause he's also so good at his job, you know, even like separately, obviously I think he's awesome. He's my husband, but he's like so smart in what he does. So having someone like that to help me, like when I'm through slumps or just getting ready for the season, I have like unlimited access to a trainer. I don't have to pay him. So it's really cool. I mean, it's been, it's been awesome working with him. And in this last year, you've had a baby and you've gotten married and these are major steps in a person's mm -hmm. life you're still playing for the links you're still training with the national team like you're you're still on this wheel of constant go 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 mm -hmm. and adding these two incredible events to your life do you feel like it's just the way it's all kind of worked out and it's all perfect or has it been chaotic and <laughs> kind of overwhelming how do you look at the um, last year I feel like it's all of those you know it's it's perfect because it's my life now. I can't picture my life any other way. It's chaotic because, again, the planning is just like there's so much of it. What am I going to do with her like this season? We actually, you know, today's the first day of USA camp. I'm like, my, I send her home with my mom because she's been here with me for two weeks. I'm like, I got to get some rest for this camp. So it's like, what am I going to do during the season? Who's going to watch her for those things? Um, and so that can be overwhelming sometimes. You know, I've never played a season with a child before, so I, mm -hmm. it's unknown again, like what my future is going to look like. Uh, but again, she just brings me so much joy and brings so much joy into my life. I can't picture it any other way. It's just figuring out how we're going to do it. Mm, that's the sweetest. Uh, we like to, to end these interviews with five questions, kind of just random personality stuff, but yours okay. is more of a mashup and I'll explain why, because some of them are, are more personal to you. Okay. So, um, I had read that one of your guilty pleasures during COVID was that you started watching nay binging hell's kitchen <laughs> yeah i did do you have other shows like this that you just that are just kind of mindless entertainment that you found that you just are hooked on yeah survivor survivor <laughs> yeah i love it i mean i don't know why i mean i do know why it's so entertaining and like you know i don't know if you've watched it but we have the tribal council yes and, the yeah, tribal council where sure. they're like blindsiding people they call it the blindside love it 
I don't know if I could ever be on that show because I feel like I'm too trusting. I would be like, oh, you're taking me to the top three, sure. <laughs> uh, but they're that's another pl- one. They're, yeah. Everybody's plotting behind everybody's back, I see? know. You got to know that. I know. I mean, I know it now, but they just seem so trustworthy when you're talking to them. <laughs> so I love Survivor. Uh, you, can't, you can't fall for that. <laughs> I guess my thought on Hell's Kitchen was Gordon Ramsay, Gino Ariema, yeah. Cheryl Do Reeve. Do I have a complex now? <laughs> I mean, are you finding like... <laughs> You're drawn to these characters? I I mean, I guess so. And it's kind of nice to see him doing it to other people. I'm like, oh, they're in trouble now. I know that I'm look. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. I know what that look means. You, uh, had, you yeah. had also uh, started a virtual book club during yeah. COVID. Mm-hmm. How many members did you gain in your virtual book club? I actually don't know because it wasn't like a Zoom meeting where we all met so I could see the numbers. I would just post what I was reading kind of thing. So, and Did people respond? Yeah, they did. It was really fun. Um, I love sharing, you know, books with people and I would get recommendations and things like that. So it was actually a lot of fun. Do you still have the book club? I do not. We've been disbanded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're busy right now. You're busy. Maybe it's an off season book club when you have less going on in your off season. There you go. Uh, You had bought a keyboard to teach yourself piano. I did. Did you teach yourself piano? I taught myself a song, not full piano. Okay, what song? It was the, um, what's it called? It's Dr. Dre, uh, the like, dun, 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 Yeah, it was that one. It was really hard. Yeah, that's got a lot of crazy notes. So I can play that one on the keyboard. Okay, are you going to keep going with this? I really want to, and I actually want Mila to be in piano, so I want her to learn an instrument, so I thought it'd be really fun if like, because I need to learn the notes. I don't know the notes. I was just like learning on the keyboard kind of thing okay uh so i thought it'd be really fun to maybe do that in the future with her i am going to learn guitar someday yeah. so maybe we, we can start can a collab- band yes we can collaborate <laughs> yeah um are you just watching online like are you taking a lesson from a human being in in your own presence or are you just like watching videos i would love to do it with someone in person um i was just watching videos before i actually had an app where it would like teach you how to do stuff okay. but i learned off youtube the J- dr dre song okay well i would recommend more songs yeah and more notes. <laughs> yeah. That's next Maybe. for you. Um, I did reach out to a few people around the links to just kind of get some personality quirks of yours. And oh, man. turns out you're very straight laced. You're very boring. Nifisa. Oh, man. You, you follow the rules. <laughs> There's not a lot. I did. I did have uh, the general manager, Claire Duilius, mm-hmm. text me back. Um, Fee has enormous hands. And when she shakes your hand, her fingers reach your elbow. Oh, my gosh. She always says that. <laughs> That's my only personality. Come on, Claire. Is she wrong? <laughs> no, and that's our handshake now. It's like, well, do it. And my uh, my, my hands are really big, and they, like, crawl up her. But I'm actually really ticklish, and when she crawls up my neck, it gives me the shivers. I don't actually like it very much. Well, I mean, to grip a basketball, that's actually kind yeah, of a gift. So I know. it's not really a bad thing. Exactly. Come on, Claire. Come on, Claire. Gosh. Um, and then an Alex Bazell said, um, oh Nafisa, <laughs> Nafisa always wants to do stuff. On the weekend. This, this is Fee's husband, by the way. She always wants to do stuff on the weekend until she gets there. Then all she wants to do is stay in and watch shows and movies. That's what he said. Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's true for a lot of people. You make plans. Probably. You know, you make plans to be with people, and then you get there, and you're like, ugh, the bed looks really good. You're tired. Yeah. Are you a homebody? Oh, I'm a super homebody. Really? For sure. Yeah. All the time. It always sounds good. Like, oh, we should go to the bar and get a drink. I'm like, ugh. Gotta go outside, gotta get dressed. I don't know. It always just sounds better to stay at home when I get to the time. It's a chore. Yeah. Yeah, it's a chore. Well, you have beautiful baby Mila to stay home and entertain you. Now, really, why would I need to leave? Why would you need to leave? Yeah. Well, um, even though 
some people would say you're kind of boring. I would say you are just right. Yeah. You're just at good speed. You kind of keep it level. And, yeah. Um, it's been it's been fun to get to know you a little bit better than just on the uh, the player side. So good Thanks. luck to you. Thank you. And the rest of the way, we look forward to the upcoming Link season. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Thanks.